Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. God bless you, Chicago Tab. Hey, the choir, musicians, come on, come on, come on. Amazing, amazing. Um, in fact, that will be my segue because um, we love this church. And I'm glad he said that we're from New York because some of you thought we might come from Iowa, but this is a New York accent. It's not Iowa. And we know Pastor Chrissy and Pastor Al forever. I mean, they were kids. We saw them grow up. That's why I want to tell you, especially your first time visitors, this is a safe place. This a, that kind of preparation doesn't happen just automatically. There's intentionality. There's intentionality behind the church for first-time visitors, for seating, for the atmosphere. And I just am so blessed at what uh, the whole team is doing, all the pastors, their family, everybody that's just working so hard here. Because places like Chicago, New York, you know, it's not easy. You, it, they're, they're tough cities, but God is tougher. God is tougher. And so I appreciate the staff, and of course you, uh, Chicago Tab always treats us so graciously and generously, so we're glad to be here, really are. And um, I want to remind you, I mean, you get great teaching here, um, so I just want to remind you of some things uh, that you probably already know. This is just a, a refresher in a sense to keep us going in, in, in the direction that we're supposed to. And uh, we've had a lot of rain on the East Coast. I think you too. In fact, well, today it's raining. But sometimes the rain came down in, in buckets, as they say. In fact, one weekend, my son, my youngest son, uh, Chris, was away speaking. And um, my daughter-in-law, Jairus, calls me and says, hey, Dad, our basement's flooded. The kids think we installed an indoor swimming pool. It's so bad. So, you know, I got my, my uh, heavy-duty vac, my water vac, and got some tools and put on some boots and gloves and, and, and went over there. And it was a direct result of the water coming down, the rain just coming down. And they were saying, man, it just came down. It came down so heavy. But what's interesting, and I know you know this, rain doesn't start in the clouds. It starts in the ground. You know, what happens is the sun warms the bodies of water, the lakes and the rivers and the oceans, and all of a sudden it create, the heat creates this invisible gas, this vapor that begins to rise up into the, into the sky, and, and now when it cools, that vapor turns into little water pellets, and they just come together, and that's what forms the clouds. And when there's too many pellets, well, what happens is they begin to fall, and then we have rain. I'm not trying to give you a science uh, exercise. What I want you to know is what we thought came from up there really started down here. And what I want to share with you today is that blessings come down when the praises go up. <laughs> blessings come down when the praises go up. In fact, we started this service with praise. I want you to realize, though you already know this, that the worship service is just not a good introduction to a teaching. It's the fact that when we want to praise God, we want to create an atmosphere that God would inhabit. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I know I can come into church sometimes and have some heavy things on my mind or in my heart because situations don't pan out the way I want. But when I get into the praise service and the worship service, things all of a sudden change and those things that troubled me, those things that kept me up at night don't seem to be so, more, so important anymore because we're in the presence of God. I mean, I don't know where Isaac Newton was at in his life with God, but he did say whatever goes up has got to come down. And when it comes to praise and worship, that's exactly what we're facing. That when we begin to praise God and worship God, blessings come down. Provision comes down. Favor comes down. It changes your whole perspective on things. It, it can change your physical condition, your spiritual condition, your mental condition. In fact, the Bible, and I, we agree with, with, with Pastor Dave about the importance of prayer. You know, the, the, the church started in a prayer meeting. My wife's going to be speaking here Tuesday night, and she has a great word to share. Yeah, thank you. But the Bible speaks more about praise than prayer. It doesn't mean that praise is more important. It just helps me understand, you know what? God understands how important praise is, and he wants to make sure we understand it because that's how we approach God even before we pray. The 100th Psalm says this, the second verse, come into his presence with singing. 
come into his presence with singing, with praise. Well, I can't sing it, you know, not too good. I can't either. But he just doesn't say that we have to sing good. He says, just come and sing it. That same psalm, the fourth verse says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. You know, gates usually surround the perimeter of a home or a business. And so when you come to the gates, God's saying, I want you to come in singing, and I want you to come in with a thankful heart. Yeah, but there's so many, yeah, I know there's so many things. But just come in thanking and watch what I'll do. And then he says, and then enter his gates with thanksgiving and then come into his courts. Now you're in the inner chamber. Come into the courts with praise. Now you're in the presence of the king. And the king is asking for praise. It's amazing what praise can do. And it goes on to say the same verse. Give thanks to him and praise his name with gratitude, with, with thanksgiving, with, with appreciation. Regardless of what we're facing. Because, man, we're all facing stuff. We're all facing, we go through seasons and we deal with things. And, 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 and we can complain, we can. But God doesn't inhabit the complaints of his people. He inhabits the praises of the people, the psalmist said in 22.3. There's something about praise that attracts God. That's why he said he will come and dwell. He will encamp. He will settle down in the praises of his people. What goes up has to come down. When we need that favor, we need that wisdom, when we, when we need that direction. It's praise that gets us into the presence of God to hear those things that we need. And no wall is too strong. You know the story of Jericho. I think most of you know about that. that the, uh, Jericho was the first um, 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 battle that they had to fight, basically, when God was bringing the Israelites into the promised land. And, and he had them circle it for a number of days. And then on that last day, they had a shout. That, that's some significant sign of, of praise. Even though it looked ridiculous, those walls, some people say, were, cl were close to 10 feet high excuse me, 100 feet high, and, and, and a 10-story building is what I wanted to uh, mention. And there was a double wall, and they were so wide that a chariot could around, ride around the top. It seemed impossible. But God said, just shout. Just shout. I, I don't know so much if it was a shout. It was their obedience that, that caused God to cause, cause those walls to collapse. There are walls in our lives. We don't want to put them there. Sometimes we just face them. But I'm telling you, you give a shout of praise and God will do the impossible. He'll take those walls down and make a way where there is no way. Changes those circumstances. There are seasons. We all go through seasons. We go through seasons in life. And sometimes we got to shout maybe a little louder because this season's a little tougher than the last season. That's why the Bible says make a joyful noise. I'm so glad God said that, a noise. I can make a noise. It's not three-part harmony, but I can make a noise, and I'm so glad God just make a joyful noise, Durso. I heard someone say there's two times to praise God, before the victory and after the victory. There's something about praise that is so attractive to God. And um, maybe some of you here today, I love the way my brother prayed before, um, you're going through a dry season. You're just going through a period. You love God, but it's, man, it's like the dots are not connecting and you just feel like you're just hitting a wall and, and um, you're, you're walking with the Lord, but it's just dry. It's just not what you would like. Or, or maybe the marriage is stagnant. You hit that, that place where, um, man, you don't know what it is. You can't put your finger on it, but the, if I could say it this way, the spark is gone. It's not the feelings that you used to have. The passion has weighed. Uh, maybe the children, all the parents or grandparents, you know, our kids are going. We bring them to church, but they're just not connecting. Um, some of my grandkids went to, back to college, and I'm worried about that first year, you know, and uh, it, it's, it's just really difficult. Kids are back in school, and, and we can tell ourselves, well, look, you know what? I know I don't see any evidence of praise and worship on my kids and my grandchildren's faces, but uh, maybe this is what it, this the way it is. You know, I just gotta, I just gotta accept it. I just gotta do it. It's a, it's a phase. I, I could take that attitude, or I could take the attitude. You know what, God? In spite of where my marriage is at, I'm gonna praise you for my marriage. I'm gonna thank you for the spouse you've given me. In spite of where my my passions are at, I'm gonna praise you, God, that you've created us to be passionate people. In spite of where I see my children or grandchildren, I'm gonna praise you for them. You gave them to us, so I'm gonna praise you for their lives. And I'm gonna trust you, oh God, that you will guide them and lead them regardless of what school or higher education they're involved in. 
I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to lift my hands, and I'm going to give you praise for what you have entrusted me to me, what you have entrusted to me. I'm going to praise you for my spouse. Oh, Pastor Durso, you do not know my spouse. I don't, but God does. And there's something about praising God for your spouse that changes things. Listen, I had, we have three boys. They're all in the ministry now, but there was a time I wanted to be like Abraham and put them on the altar and kill them. <laughs> but we continued to praise God and ask God to do what we couldn't do. And they're all in the ministry now. And they're all married, godly women. And it's what, it's what, you know, praise is a demonstration of our faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, you know what, that when, when, when we're, we're giving, we have a confidence of what we're going to expect, even though we don't see it. Praise praises God in spite of the wall. Praise praises God in spite of the ocean. Praise praises God in spite of the difficulties. Praise just works. That's why God told us to praise him. I, I would suggest this not in a legalistic way. Of course, we all wake up in the morning a little different. Some of us are like, good morning, sunshine. And some of us are like, but I would say this before you make the coffee, just offer a little praise to God. As you turn on your feet over the side of the bed, just give a little praise to God. It will change your day because it will help remind you to keep praising God during it. Just, just give him thanks. Remember, we can complain, but God does not inhabit the complaints of his people. And when we, when we praise God, Man, the atmosphere just changes. And there's so much, there's so much scripture to, to back that. I mean, you know, I, we all get paychecks in some way, shape, or form, and we all may feel, well, we don't have enough. Praise God for what you have. Praise God for it, and let him do the miraculous. Praise God for the such. Praise God for, you know, in, in, back in New York, there's 64,000 people that are homeless just in the five boroughs. 60, I don't know what it is here in Chicago, but New York has 64,000. Not New York State, New York City, the five boroughs. And we may not like the apartment that we're in right now, but we can praise God that we have a roof over our head and we're not homeless. That, that's the whole thing about praise. It changes your perspective. I could be out on the street, but I'm not. I got this little apartment, and, and I, I, Chicago is kind of similar to New York. You know, people talk about, you know, acreage and land, and, you know, we don't even have closets in New York, you know. But, but I can praise God for what we do have. And it's an attitude that just changes everything. Um, praise does tear down the walls. In fact, you, I think you know this. It's Matthew 6, 8, that the Father already knows what we need before we ask him. Well, well, why do we have to ask him if he already knows? Because God is about relationship, not about religion, not about rules and regulations. It's about relationship. And when we praise God, basically, if I, without getting really maybe over overly gooey or, or emotional. It's like telling God, God, I love you. I love you. I love you. And, and, and when we speak to God and we praise him and we bring our needs before him, it's in that relationship that he will now begin to change things for us. And maybe not immediate, but he hears us. And as we continue to stand before him and praise and worship God, well, then things change in God's time. There's an appointed time. Jesus came at an appointed time. There's an appointed time for things. And praise causes us to get in a position for God to do what only God could do because God does have our best interest in mind. John 10.10, 10, he has plans for a fuller life for you and I. One translation says an abundant life. doesn't necessarily mean money. It just means a life of contentment, a life of joy. You can have money and be miserable. Jeremiah 29.11, God has plans for every single one of us. And it's not to harm us, but there's a future to it. There's a forecast to it. It's, it's a place where we can be healthy or prosperous, as one translation says. Uh, I, I, you, as I said, I'm going to remind you, 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 you know this, but remember when the, the disciples were with Jesus and they were feeding, he, the crowd gathered, and there was about 5,000 men, it's four, four times in the scripture. And of course, most commentators believe if there was 5,000 men, then there had to be a lot more people because they unfortunately didn't count women and children in that day. So their estimates may be anywhere from 12 to 15,000 people. And Jesus was teaching them all day. And because he's a good shepherd, he's a good, good father, he knew, this, he knew that the people would be hungry. He didn't want to send them away. They were in a rural place. And so he told the disciples, his dream team, his lead team, we got to feed these people. And some of them said what probably we would say, well, you know what, Jesus, there's no there's no stop and shop. There's no bodegas around here, you know. Where are we going to get? Plus, what is it going to take to feed all that? We don't have that kind of money. And so he said to them, and this is classic, bring to me what you have. 
You know what, guys? Whatever we have, if we bring to God what we have and we're thankful and we praise him for it, you can see how God changes. This was, this was written to teach us. Everything was written to teach us. And so they brought to Jesus what they had, and uh, he began to give thanks to God. He began to praise God. It was five loaves, two fishes. That's not even enough to feed the disciples. But he holds them before the Lord, and he begins to give thanks. It looks to heaven, Matthew 14, 19, it says, he looks to heaven, and he begins to give thanks. He begins to give praise to God for what he had. What he had was not enough for the situation, but because he put it in God's hands, God did the miracle. You know the story. And all, all 15,000 got fed, and there were 12 baskets left over, one for each disciple. One for each disciple. It's amazing when we just recognize, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I am going to open my mouth and lift up my hands and face my eyes towards heaven and praise you for this situation. Not for the problem, but you're the way, you're the way maker. You're the problem solver. I'm going to praise you that you're going to get us out of this mess one way or another. You're going to turn things around. But at the risk of sounding like I'm just giving some kind of positive thinking exercise here. In the scriptures, 2 Chronicles 20. And this is not self-help. This is just the truth. Jehoshaphat was a great king. He brought revival to Judah, the southern part. And he was doing really well. Then all of a sudden, in, in the height of everything moving along well, these three nations decided to attack him. You know, when you make a stand for God, the enemy is not going to be quiet about it. I don't know your belief about the devil, but he's real. He'd love, to, love for us to think in our sophisticated world that he's not real, but he's very real. And when you begin to draw a line and say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, the enemy is going to attack you. Well, similar to Jehoshaphat, he draws a line, we're going to serve God, and all of a sudden these three nations come against him. Not one, not two, but three. And the Bible has this recorded in 2 Chronicles 22. A vast army is coming against you. That was the word of the Lord. A vast army is coming against you. Well, Jehoshaphat did what I believe most of us would do. He, he went to the house uh, of God with the people of God. But before he prayed, he praises. Listen to this. Jeremiah, uh, Jeho Jehoshaphat, uh, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6. Jehoshaphat pray, uh, praising God. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation, including the one he was in. Power and might are in your hands, and no one can withstand you. That was praise. That was honoring God, making a statement. I got three nations outside that want to wreck us, that want to kill us. But God, you're the one that sits on the throne. There's no nation that can come against you. Power and might are in your hands. He's praising God for a very difficult situation that he's facing. And then God sends a word to the prophet, 2 Chronicles 20, 15. This word, though, comes after that little praise moment. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. You know, some things are vast. Some problems are small. And some problems are vast. A, a flat tire can be small. When your car catches on fire, that's vast. When you have a little cold and the doctor says, you know, you, you have a little congestion or uh, you, you're getting the flu, okay, that's small compared to a diagnosis that may include cancer or diabetes or anything like that. Some things are vast. Well, be, because he began to thank God and praise God, it says, don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. But the battle is not yours, but God. There's a place, guys, where we got to stop trying and we got to start trusting. We just got to trust God for what he's going to do. Sometimes there are these seasons where it seems like there's a vast wall around us, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's relational, whether it's spiritual. Sometimes it's just surrounding us. But the solution, the God's solution, is written in 2 Chronicles 20, 21. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him. I mean, think about a military strategy. You got three nations outside that want to wreck you. And uh, all of a sudden now God's saying, sing. My, my humanistic mind would say, God, it's not a time to sing. This is a time to evaluate how many swords and spears and arrows we have. But he says, no, no, you need to sing. And so the king was obedient, and he gathers the people together. And even though there was a vast army around him, he puts the, uh, as you read the rest of the story, he puts the singers in the front. There probably wouldn't be a good call for more singers to the choir, but he puts the choir in the front, and they begin to sing. They begin to walk out into the enemy territory to face their enemy with songs of praise. 
And if you read the rest of the story, you find out that God, God, turned the nations, those three nations, against one another. They all killed each other. By the time Jehoshaphat got there with the singers, all the enemy was dead, destroyed. The battle was not theirs. It was God. And all the, all the donkeys and horses and wine and food and gold that they left behind all of a sudden became Jehoshaphat's, became the pe the, the, the God's people. We got to praise God before the breakthrough. That is used. Oh, I'll praise him after the breakthrough. Well, you can, but you'll do better when you praise him before the breakthrough. When you open up your mouth so that those walls can come down. What goes up must come down. Um, I, I know it's not Christmas yet, but it's coming. Get ready. We have eight grandchildren. We're broke. We're broke, especially at Christmas time. But I can't help but think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who gets this angelic visitation in the thrones of her planning a wedding, making a guest list. I mean, any, any young girl here, a young man that's planning a wedding, you know what that takes. I mean, you know, you're thinking about it all the time. You want to make sure things working really well and getting everybody on the list that's supposed to be there. And, and she's planning all of this. And then the angel shows up and says, you know what, uh, Mary, blessed among women, you're going to have a child. And she says, yeah, but I've never been a man. We know. Uh, but you're gonna, it's going to be the Holy Spirit. Think, think about that statement. That would be blasphemous today. What was it like in the day of Mary? I mean, when a woman, a young woman was found pregnant and it wasn't from her engaged husband, they would take her out and stone her. What, what, what went through her mind when she had to tell her, think about telling her parents or telling Joseph and, you know, all the wedding plans now all of a sudden get pushed to the side. I mean, that, that talk about havoc, talk about just wrecking you. Well, it says here in Luke 146, when Mary went to go visit her cousin Elizabeth about 70 miles further south, it says this when she went into the house, oh, my soul praises the Lord. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, but you might get stoned when you go back to Nazareth. They may kill you. Your parents may abandon you. Joseph may say, no way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having this. Would, would we, when our plans get wrecked, when things go south, so to speak, in, in our world, do we open up our mouths? Oh, my soul praises the Lord. My soul praises the Lord for my marriage. My soul praises the Lord for my job, my finances, my body, my health, my relationships, my children. That's a demonstration of faith when you praise God in the midst of the trouble. I, I don't know if you believe this, but I, I believe every story in the Bible. I believe Jonah was swallowed by a whale. I do. I know Pinocchio had that little story going on and Disney made a lot of money. But I really believe, in fact, we're, we're told that in 2 Kings 14 that Jonah was a prophet. Jesus referred to him twice in the Gospels uh, about him, Jesus, being in the grave three days and how Jonah was in the whale for three days. Well, just real quick, uh, God wanted to send Jonah to Nineveh to speak to the Assyrians so that they can repent, which is a good thing to remember. There's nobody too far from God. They were evil, they were an evil nation, they were a warlike nation. They would rape women, kill babies, kill men, steal all the resources that were in a, a town or a city. And so Jonah did not want to um, pray for these people and see them saved. So what he did was he got on a ship and he went south down to Joppa. And whenever you say no to God, you go south. And, um, well, not geographically, I meant spiritually. <laughs> That's all chapter one. A storm comes, he gets on a boat. The sailors, which they did in those days, they cast a lot to see why this storm, because it was an unusual storm, why this storm happened. Someone disobeyed the gods. The lot falls to Jonah. Jonah confesses, it's me. He says, throw me in the ocean, the storm will stop. These Gentile, ungodly sailors said, no, we can't do that. The storm only got worse. They said, we'll do that. They throw him in. They throw him. And then God provides this big fish. Whether it was a whale, whether it was a, I don't know, but it was a big fish. It's a big fish. It had to be in deep water. And uh, Jonah, inside the whale, the, ch the second chapter, he begins to praise, which so encouraged me. Guys, never think you're too far from God that you can't pray. Jonah's inside the whale because of his disobedience. His sin surrounds him, literally. But he prays. Never let the devil tell you you've got to stop praying because of the situation surrounding you. Well, he, he begins to pray and talk to God. And then it says this in 2nd 9. It says, but I will offer sacrifice to you with songs of praise. Come on, use your sanctified imagination. 
What do you do when you're inside a whale? I don't know. It's all black. It's dark. No light. Um, it smells probably a little fishy. It's wet. I mean, do you, I mean, in his mind, he's probably going to end up in a digestive tract and end up in the sea somewhere. But he begins to praise God. Read the story for yourself, the second chapter. And as he's praising God and he's declaring, God is my salvation, God causes the whale to spit Jonah out, not in the deep water, but on dry land. Listen, when you begin to praise God, God will bring you right where you're supposed to be. Right where you're supposed to be. It's amazing what praise can do. The Lord commanded, verse 10, the fish to vomit him out on dry land. That's why Hebrews tells us we are to continually offer praise to God. Continually give him the fruit of our lips. One more, one more, one more story. Because I, I, don't, I don't want to try to convince you. I want the Bible to convince you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. The apostle Paul's with Silas. They want to go to um, modern-day modern Turkey today, which was called Galatia at the time. God says, no, I want you to go to Europe. I want you to go to Greece. Athens. And um, one particular town, uh, Macedonia. And uh, so they go. And uh, they get there and they go have a little prayer meeting. And a woman gets saved named Lydia. She was a wealthy woman, a businesswoman. She had purple cloth, which was very expensive in that day. And uh, so there's now her family gets saved. There's baptism. So there's success. This, this new church plant is starting to, you know, take some, uh, some, some motion. And then one day on the way to prayer, because sometimes when you go to prayer, on the way to go to prayer, uh, all kinds of situations come out. She's on, they're on the way to prayer. There's a girl that begins to follow them. So in Acts 16. And uh, this girl had a unique gift. It wasn't God's gift. Uh, she was able to foretell the future. That's why, guys, stay away from Ouija boards and astrology and tarot cards. Don't go with that stuff. That stuff is real. It's demonic. And um, she begins to speak out following Paul, it says for many days, saying to the crowd, listen to these men because they will tell you the way to be saved. What she was saying was right, but her spirit wasn't right. That's why prophecy has to be judged, because we can say the right thing, but the spirit might not be right. So she's saying all this, and, and Paul eventually picks up in his spirit, this is, this is not right, and he rebukes the gift that's in her, out of her. Now, the girl was probably happy, but the people that owned her were not, because this, they were using her to bring in money, revenue. And so they dragged Paul in front of the magistrates and uh, they charged them, saying that they are trying to usurp the Roman government, which was not true. And they're making up all these false charges. And so um, they're found guilty, Paul and Silas. They're beaten with rods and um, thrown in a dungeon, in an inner dungeon, chained, their feet put in stocks. Now, I'm, I'm not for sure, but I know at this era in the Middle East, all court cases were done by sunset. So maybe this is five, six o'clock when they get sentenced and beaten and they put, get put down. Why am I saying that? Because the Bible tells us in Acts 16 that around midnight, the darkest hour of the day, right? sometimes it's really dark in your life. It could be darker than it's ever been before. The Bible says that Paul and Silas began to sing hymns and praise God. What were the hymns? Well, I don't know. They were different in that day, just like they're different in this day. So whatever hymns were relevant to that culture, they began to sing it in the prison. And when you read the story, it's like all of a sudden God sends an earthquake to shake things up. Sometimes, you know, what? God's got to shake some things in our lives, in our homes, in our minds, in our families, in our finances. He's got to send a shaking in, in, into our lives, and it's a result of praise. And the Bible says that it was just the two of them praising that the sound went up, and all of a sudden all the prison doors opened and all the chains fell off as a result of two saints of God, two men of God, two believers of God praising the Lord. Do you know your praise will set other people free? Your praise will give liberty to other people that are bound. And were they in pain? Yes, they were in pain. But that's when I think pain, praise is the most dramatic. When you're not feeling it, when you're in pain, you say, God, I'm going to lift up my voice. I'm going to call upon your name. I'm going to give you glory and honor because that's due your name. That's faith. 
And God's attracted to faith. The story goes on to say that the jailer, the warden came in. And when the rule then was if a warden ever let a prisoner escape, he had to pay the price of death. And um, he's about to kill himself. Paul said, don't do that. Don't do that. We're still here. And that night, that jailer and his whole family get saved and baptized. Because two believers believe that praise can change things. And I believe that too. So I'm going to ask you all to stand, please. I asked the team to, can we do that? I raise a hallelujah. Oh, some of you know it, right? Okay. The history of that was there was a church just like this church who found out that one of the children of the church was very, very sick. It reminded me of when Chris's boy, Dylan, the, the platelets went to a very dangerous place and, and they thought he was going to die. And uh, this is what happened to this young boy named Jackson. And uh, they were praying and believing God and just they got the message, it got worse. Man, sometimes it gets dark. Sometimes it gets dark. And, and, and if I'm getting it right, he said that he felt like there was a giant of doubt standing in front of him. And then all of a sudden, these words just seemed to fall on his heart in the melody that I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. See, Jehoshaphat was in the presence of his enemies when he sang those songs. Mary was in the presence of an enemy when she gave joy, uh, praise to God. Jonah was literally in the presence, talk about a whale of a problem, in the presence of his enemies. Saul and Cyrus were in the presence of them when they lifted their voice began to praise God. How many here would lift their hands and say, you know what, Pastor Derso, I'm, I'm facing some, some tough stuff, but I, I'm going to praise God today because I, I, I have faith. I believe God. Lift your hands. Yeah. 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 Let me ask one more question, please. One more question. Um, the first question ever asked in the Bible was, God asked Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. He's God. But he wanted Adam to admit that he was not where he should be. I wonder if there's maybe someone here that would say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not where I should be. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I would like to pray for you specifically that you would just turn over your whole life, not a part of your life, but your whole life over to God. And I don't want to embarrass you, but if you'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm not where I am and I would love for you to pray for me, just would you lift up one hand, anyone? Yeah, good for you. Listen, Marie and I did that 44 years ago on a Sunday. He just didn't save us. He kept us. You can lower your hands. God, I lift up my voice first for those that just raise their hands. God, I'm asking, oh God, that you would show them your love like never before. You would convince them that even though they may be surrounded of their sin, just like Jonah was, God, you will still answer the prayer of a man or woman who will call out to you and give you thanks. So Lord, I pray, oh God, you forgive them of their sins, but I pray, oh God, you put your stamp of salvation on their minds and hearts, and today will be a new day. Today is the day of their salvation. Today is the day that you made, and we are rejoicing in it. So do this for them first, I pray. In Christ's name. In fact, if you raised your hand a moment ago for that, you probably should come up and see some of the pastors here so they can give you some instruction. And here's what we're all going to do. We're all going to join the choir right now. They're going to help us lead it. And if you're facing a situation and you need God to give you deliverance, I want you to just lift up your hands, lift up your heads, and just start singing this. I raise. Come on, guys, help us. I raise a hallelujah. In the presence. In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah, louder than the unbelief. Come on, sing it again. I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. 
listen, this is what we're doing right now. There's situations in the room, there's problems in the room, there's lost children that are in the room, there's things that, that seem so outside of our control because they are. But today, sometimes, in the midst of something that you can't even get out of your mind, sometimes what you do is you have to just put that thing right there. And the Bible says that God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. The Bible also says that God sits enthroned above the flood. Maybe you have a flood in your life. Maybe you're like the Israelites, you're looking at the wall of Jericho. Sometimes you have to take that situation, you have to put it right in front of you, and you have to say, devil, you're not gonna get my peace, you're not gonna get the victory, because Jesus is the king. Amen? So this is what we're gonna do. We're, we're gonna have people here at, after the service that if you have a situation that you need prayed for, it's good to pray for your situation. Uh, that, that's something that we do all the time and we wanna pray for you. But right now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna praise above that. We're gonna say, we're not gonna focus on what's wrong, we're gonna focus on the God that sits enthroned above the flood. Come on, I want us to, this is what we're gonna do. So this is, this is it, we're gonna pray at the end, but this is it, this is what we're gonna do together. We've got time. I want us with all of our hearts, Maybe you're even in the room and you say, you know what, I, I, was, I was like Jonah. Maybe you're running from God and you said, you know what, I, I feel like I, I need an explanation from God and me and God are not on good terms, but you don't need an explanation from God. You need to surrender to God. You need to just say, God, I worship you. I don't understand. We don't have to understand. We don't have to know the end. We don't have to know what's gonna happen. We just have to know the God that reigns above. So come on, right now, in faith, we're gonna begin to praise with all that we have. This is where we're at. This is what we're doing. We're not going anywhere else. So just begin to lift up your voice and lift up your eyes to where your help comes from. Begin to give him the praise that he deserves. You sit enthroned on the praises of your people, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice, give Him your own praise. Give Him your own song. Give Him your own words.
above every situation, every problem. You reign, oh God. You reign above the flood. You're the king of the earth, oh God. All power and dominion belongs to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I just feel like we're not done yet. We're going to sing. There's a part of this song that says we're going to sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. this band, aren't they amazing, by the way? Amen. But I wish I could bring them to my devotions tomorrow morning, but they're not available. But it doesn't mean that our, our praise is any less powerful. And you know, sometimes you have to scream at the top of your lungs the praise that is in your heart. The Bible says to shout to the Lord. There's something about giving everything. He says, praise the Lord with all that I am and everything that is in me. Praise the Lord. There's something about your entire being giving God, pouring out your very best, all your energy, all your effort. And listen, we don't do this every week, but this is a time to see the walls fall. We want to say, God, we're going to give you our everything right now. So, Pastor Christian, just with just the keys, I just feel like we just need to just say, we're going to sing a little louder. And we, I want us to sing with everything that we are. Come on, can we just say, God, we're going to sing a little louder. Come on, lift up your voices. Lift up your voices and give Him praise. Hallelujah. Sing a little louder.
Give him your praise. Give him a shout of praise. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. The devil can't drown out your praise. He's not that powerful. God, you're worthy of everything. You're worthy of our praise, and we give you our all today, oh God. And we say thank you that you reign above the flood. Thank you that you sit in that you sit enthroned upon the circle of the earth, oh God, above the circle of the earth. And we're your friends. So God, we love you today. And we give you praise, oh God. And we turn our attention to you because we know when our eyes are on you, your eyes are on everything that's going on in our life. So God, we worship you and we thank you that you're the God of breakthrough. We thank you that you're the God that is mindful of us. So Lord, we give you praise today. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the breakthrough that we're gonna see this week. We thank you for the prayers that are gonna be answered this week, O oh God. Lord, we love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.